Welcome to the Autobahn Country Club Podcast, where your host, club member John Graybeal, opens the doors to America's premier auto sports club. Now, here's John. Welcome to episode 24, and today we are going to talk with Chef Peggy McNamara-Gertis. She touches so many people at the track. Even if you don't come to drive, often you come to eat, and her food is outstanding. Since the first time we ate there, my wife and I have wondered, how does she do it? Well, we're about to find out. She's got a great team behind her, and she has a great story. It's very evident in talking to her, eating her food, being around her, about her passion for excellence. And it was very important to me to finally sit down and talk to her. We spent a lot of time on fried chicken and a lot of time on french fries. So we have quite an interview. So let's get started. So uh, welcome Peggy McNamara-Gertis, executive chef of the Audubon Country Club on the Audubon Country Club podcast. Wow, this is great. I get to talk to you. <laughs> it is a rainy Sunday afternoon, Sunday morning here, May 26th, day before it Memorial is Day. My husband's birthday. Oh, his husband's very nice. <laughs> uh, say your name for me uh, Peggy McNamara Gertis. Okay. And uh, where did you grow up, Peggy? Joliet, believe it or not. Well, I was born in Chicago, grew up in Chicago, Downers Grove, and mainly Joliet. We moved here when I was 10. Your parents from here? Or they're they from grew? Chicago, the north side. North side? Mm-hmm. And they ended up coming a little south? Yeah, through my dad's job. He's uh, an attorney and retired now, but... What kind of law did he do? Uh, he did criminal initially and then kind of got burned out and ended up doing workman's comp for the last probably 20 years of his career. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Oh. Did he work with a lot of union stuff then? With did the he? Comp? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And my mom was a nurse for a good 30, 35 years. And you, so you grew up quite a few different places then. Yes, mm-hmm. but I consider m- mainly Joliet since, you know, we've been here since I was 10, and then I married a Joliet cop, so we had to live here. That's my excuse for staying in Joliet <laughs> forever. <laughs> okay, all right. So uh, did you go to school then in Joliet too? Is that where you went to school? I did. I went to St. Paul, St. Francis, um, U of I, and Joliet Junior College for Culinary Arts. So... Yeah, we want to touch a lot on that. So, you said, so you have you have I like in University of Illinois, Champaign. Mm-hmm. Oh, studied psychology there. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Oh, so I yeah, I just live thirty five minutes from Champaign. Okay. Toward Bloomington, mm-hmm. out, out in the in Leroy, if you ever go by, yeah. or Leroy if you're older. Leroy. You call yeah. it if you're older over than I used to say if you're older than sixty you called it Leroy but okay. now it's if you're older than seventy that was ten years ago I started yeah. saying it so. Dave might do that he's from Menunk which is a very small town. Yeah, yeah I know where Menunk is. Uh, so you studied psychology there. Mm-hmm. How did you did you always cook? Did I you? I have always cooked since I was probably eight or ten and um, I babysat for the same family for many years probably from ten to say 16 or 17 and uh, she had Bon Appetit's always so I was voraciously reading her Bon Appetit's from probably age 10 on and cooking you know on and off forever I've always had a huge interest in it 
Did your mom cook? My mom was a good cook. She was very busy raising six kids and working full time. Oh, six kids, yeah. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, we were the kind of family who had the dinner on the table at six o'clock every night. Everybody together? Everybody together, yes. And my mom somehow managed to cook all the time amidst all the chaos of, you know, so many kids. Wow. And a lot of work. That's impressive. Yeah. So you're, so five siblings? Yes. Girls, boys? Um, four sisters, one brother. Are they around here too? They? Yes, my sister Colleen. In fact, you should interview her. Oh, she yeah, has Colleen. a lot to yeah. say. She yeah. runs yeah. Um, all the servers and the front of the house here. So yep. we've often worked together over the years. And I think within my first two or three weeks of working here, I hired her and she's been with me ever since. Oh, so you came first? Yeah, I came first and she came very soon after. Okay, very cool. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Is she, is she older or younger? She's two years younger. Two years younger. So where are you in the sixth? I'm the second oldest. I have one sister a year older. Is the is the one brother and one brother? One brother who's after Colleen. Okay, um, so he's kind of in the middle too. He's in the middle. And then I have a sister who's 40 and one who's 35. So there's a big... I'm 53. There's a big spread there. Oh, we're exactly the same. Okay, you're 66. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Oh, when's your birthday? March 28th. Oh, I'm way older than you. I'm oh. February, February 9th. Oh, yes, yeah. you are. <laughs> yes. <laughs> wow. Okay. A Pisces, though, not an Aries. Are you? Aquarius, I think. Oh, okay. Is right? I don't I don't. I think I'm Aquarius, but yeah. I used to know. Somebody asked me that a couple of, I was at a, a magic show, and somebody asked me what my ah. sign was, and I went, uh. Oh, hasn't been asked that for a while. I had a lot of thought about that <laughs> for quite some time. Aquarius, I think. But anyway, some, I'm sure someone will look that up quickly now while they're listening to this mm-hmm. and get, get a get a, tell get, you, yes. get a Google on that. Well, I, I, cook, I actually cooked the whole time I was in college, too, at different restaurants and for a fraternity for a couple months. Um, that was kind of always my love, and I wasn't sure what I wanted to do with psychology. Did you, did your mom, were, did she cook a certain, you know, like Italian or just like American? You More know, American. American you know, stuff? she had a couple staples, but basically American. My grandma did a little French cooking. Um, her mom, you know, made shrimp creole and shrimp dijon, a couple things like that that I still like to cook. So the Bon Appetit book, books, or magazines. Magazines, magazine. yeah. Magazine. Actually, I still subscribe to Bon Appetit. So really? I've been reading it for, what would that be? 43 years or so. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's cool. And a lot of other culinary magazines. I love them. I read cookbooks voraciously, too. <laughs> uh, uh, we're going to get along just fine this interview. Because I remember as a kid watching Bon Appetit, which was the PBS show, mm-hmm. right, with Julia Child. Right. And as a matter of fact, I went back just recently and found all of them. And I can't remember where I found them on some site. And... I started like going through, literally watching like the first episode mm-hmm. all the way through, and had made some some of the recipes. Or okay, I didn't get all the way through. I don't know how many years it was on, but I didn't get all the way through. Right. But her story is awesome. You know, I mean, she was quite the character. Yes. Julie Child was quite Love the character. Her. Mm-hmm. And you know, being a kind of a spy back in World War Two, yeah. and then she was very interesting mm-hmm. person, uh, and. So that I always I always liked that. So you, so when you would you're as a young person you were taking this and trying to do the recipes and trying to or just reading them. I you know I wasn't often cooking French food, but not yet. Right? No, not yet. But um, yeah, reading about it all the time. And I've always liked to go out to dinner, but you know I didn't start that until my early twenties. Okay. So do you have a favorite uh, 
ethnic, I guess we might say an ethnic or regional food? I would cuisine? say probably Italian. Italian? But, you know, I, I like everything. I like Italian, French, Mexican. I was a big um, Greek lover mm. for quite some time. Mm-hmm. And I've recently, we love uh, Germany and Bavaria. So I recently switched. So if I had to pick today, I would walk into the German restaurant. Really? And what would you get there? Uh, I would get today, I would get um, uh, schnitzel. I love schnitzels. uh, French fries. And I am a French fry freak. Really? Yes, because I want Bavarian fries. I don't want French fries you get up in Berlin. I want what you get down in in Bavaria, and, and I'm not sure what they're there's a big difference, and and I would get uh, I know this is crazy. I would get probably red cabbage and spätzle also, mm. which one time I went to Germany. I just landed, so it was noon. So I don't know what the time changed and everything. And we walked into this hotel, and the guy says, "What can I get for?" Us? I said, "Well, I was with my buddy on a business trip. I said some beer, uh, French fries, and spätzle." And he goes, "French fries and spätzle?" <laughs> yes. And he goes, uh, okay. So he did. And it was yeah. fantastic. You know, do you, <laughs> do you do the mayonnaise with the French fries? No, nope. I just eat them. I just eat them just straight up. A little bit of salt. And mm-hmm. That's all. We'll, we'll get to. We'll come back to French fries because I want to talk to you about French fries in a second. So Italian. Yep, that's mm-hmm. okay. So love it, Italian. And then, so you went. So your your formal uh, training. Was that the Joliet Junior? Mm-hmm, I feel it was. Um, they have a very good program there. It's it's pretty well known. Um, I was. I kind of feel I'm more self-taught though. Even though I did think it would be a good idea to get my culinary degree, since I decided to stay in that field. Um, but you know, I worked in in my early twenties. I worked for a woman with my sous chef, sous chef now Steve Furlan. We both worked at an Italian restaurant for the same woman, and I learned a lot from her. Um, and I was taking culinary classes at that, that time as well. But I feel I kind of learned more on the job than in school. You know, school, at least, they teach you the basics, but then they also teach you really upscale things that you're not going to use very often in most restaurant situations. You know, the fancy terrines and the gelatin-covered, molded platters of whatnot that really only, say, cruise ships and very upscale hotels kind of focus on. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, I had I had some great teachers at Juco, and they, their program now is awesome. They have some, Tim Bucci is a world-famous chef who's there now, and Chef McGreal um, travels all over the country, has worked with Michelle Obama. So they really have a good program going on these days. Neat. We, I, when I, I got married in 2002, and... I got sent to the Mideast. I got deployed to the Mideast uh-huh. during the um, second Gulf War, I guess, whatever we're going to call it. But And uh, my wife loves to cook. And she and I, we both are disappointed that we did not do this. But she wanted to go. They just opened up the um, Cordon Bleu School in Chicago at that mm-hmm. time. And she goes, I want to go. And I said, I think you should go. Mm-hmm. Whatever happened, hap- you know, and we didn't yeah. actually get she didn't get to go but we always look back on it yeah it's never too late I mean it's interesting I I feel a school like that would you know you would learn to make croissants or croissants is how you're supposed to say it but whatever from scratch and things like that that you know you might do for fun but in the real world it's just you know you can't spend (laughs) at least I can't spend three days making things like that but it is fun to know how to do it yeah I agree we 
before, even with one kid, we still did a lot of stuff. We're Alton Brown fans of Good Eats oh, on yeah. the Food mm-hmm. Network. I love all those shows. And so we would, and it's not easy to do. I mean, we would do exactly, we'd go out and buy the stuff, we'd get the stuff, get uh-huh. the ingredients, get everything. And sometimes it would take a week, you know, to put it all together. Right. And we try to do it. And um, sometimes, 80% of the time, it'd work out. That's a fun hobby, though. And we did that for quite a while. So, not so much. We kind of have our staples that we kind of mm-hmm. do now. and but What did you make that took a week to prepare? Well, I just remember, I remember Cocovan. Oh, yeah. You know, and mm-hmm. we actually went and found a oh. old rooster. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and used an old rooster the, for the rest, I mean, it's just stuff like that. Yeah, you know, we, I think it's, so it's, fun, it's a sit like three days in the wine mm-hmm. or something like that to Yeah, some of the things, I don't, the, the movie about Julia Child that yeah, came out and I read movie. that book, it was awesome. The book and the movie both. I can't recall what it was called, but. Oh, what was it called? Yeah, you know, I know exactly. She makes some bizarre things and, you know, that technically aren't food safe these days. I mean, <laughs> that beef sitting on the windowsill overnight, I'm thinking, oh my goodness, it's scary, but yeah, that's what they did. Yeah, like, like not keeping your eggs. You know, I mean, like the French have the boxed milk on the shelf. You know, when I yeah, okay, I haven't been in France, but I have been in the Middle East, well, in Europe at French grocery stores. You know, and they just have boxed milk, and then they don't put the the butter's not in the refrigerator, no. the eggs aren't in the refrigerator. No, and you know, I think there's a, a big tie between it being so locally sourced and not messed with or modified and all of that. We would, right, and we would leave our eggs on the counter. and Yeah, and like, I buy when organic. I When they came from our chickens. Yes, <laughs> yes, and my sister raises chickens on and off, and, and I love having her eggs. Um, and, and I buy organic eggs, and I feel comfortable with them sitting out, but then I keep them in the refrigerator at night. Yeah, but I'm a big egg. I want my eggs at room temperature before I start to yes, cook them. Yes, me too. You're right. <laughs> and at, good eggs are so much different. That if you buy, I mean, they look so different. A good egg has a bright, deep yellow yep. yolk as opposed to, you know, a grocery store regular egg is a different bird or egg altogether. <laughs> <laughs> right. And so, yeah, we, I, we just had milk cows for about 10 oh, years. Wow. I had a family cow. So That's I was awesome. Because I was into milk. I mean, I loved uh-huh. Fresh milk, and I love to make my own butter wow. and cream. Yes. And there's, anyway, we'll, we can talk yeah, about that. Yeah, the kids who work for me are amazed that, you know, I, you can actually make butter out of the heavy cream that we use. Yeah. They Or, you know, they're, it's funny. Kids stay, most of them aren't very familiar with cooking. They're kind of raised on fast food, and they go out to eat a lot. I think Generation X, you're probably more familiar with it than I am. But well, even my aunt, who's older than me, she's in her 70s, she came over and I said, do you want a glass of milk? And I pulled out a jug and she goes, what is that? Well, it's cow milk. I mean, it's milk from our cow. She goes, I don't want it. <laughs> I go, it's the same stuff oh, that you got. Yes. Except, Isn't that scary, though? I go, I go, and sometimes we would pasteurize it and sometimes we right. wouldn't. You, know, you don't have to pasteurize the milk if it's clean. Right. And all the stuff's clean. And that's so much better for you, but people, some people don't want to know. They don't want to be that close... To no, food and she wouldn't drink it. Which is, it's so much better than everything that's happened to the milk you're buying at the grocery store. That's crazy, but yes. The, the, I do have a funny butter story. So my, I had a young man working for me. He's a, he is a um, deputy sheriff now. And he was working for me uh, when he was a teenager. And we came in for lunch. And I, I can't remember what we are doing. And we needed butter for something. And I said, oh, just a second. We don't have any butter. I'll make some. 
And he stood there wide-eyed as I... I made it a blender because I found that was the fastest way yeah. to do it. And I put it in a blender. I mean, it wasn't like I was churning milk, you know, well, churning right. the butter I mean, forever. It was pretty you, fast. You make butter by accident if you over exactly. the cream. So. <laughs> so I made it in the, in the blender, poured it off, and I put it on my sandwich. I said, okay, give me your sandwich. He goes, uh, no. And I go, well, <laughs> what do you mean no? Because it's butter. He goes, no. I go, it's just butter. <laughs> and he goes, I go, where do you get your butter? He goes, at the convenience store around the corner. Right. He goes, I'm not eating that. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. But then he didn't. He didn't have that evening. It's funny. So, uh, so after college, after that, uh, when did you when did you come to the Audubon? I guess um, it'll be 15 years in, uh, I think August. Um, but so yeah, 2009. I, mm-hmm, I started cooking. No, the, 2004. So right at the beginning, then yeah. pretty much right at the beginning, 2004ish. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I I was a chef in my early 20s at that Italian restaurant. And actually, two different Italian restaurants um, for six to eight years, something like that. Then I went. I was kind of tired of working all the weekends and holidays, and I wanted. I was tired of being kind of dirty every day after you cook all day. You know, you're covered with grease, and um, I always had food vendors, so I decided to go into food sales. So I worked for a company called Cisco. It's a big sure. food distri- distribution Not company. the router maker. Not the CIS. <laughs> it's the SYS. Exactly. Um, for uh, almost nine years. Okay. And then I was tired of that. I didn't know what I wanted to do. I was going to maybe go back to school and go into nursing and totally change careers. But I had heard about the Autobahn because of Dave being the police chief. And I also heard it was a beautiful Dave, Dave place. Dave, your husband, was the yes. police chief. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I heard there was a beautiful you know, place and really upscale members but the food was horrible for some reason um and i heard this from my friends at cisco and then from the joliet community so initially they had a lot of issues with the food it really was they they kind of focused on the track and then they realized a little bit too late that they needed to have food and beverage as well because we're kind of in the middle of nowhere here so i just stopped in one day you know i knew i wanted to leave cisco i was tired of food sales so I stopped in one day thinking I could help them out a little bit because I had heard some stories about the food, and um, then I never left. So that was almost 15 years ago. So back to the, 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 the Cisco thing, were you helping, how much were you doing for the restaurants? Were you actually, I mean, I know they come in, they can prepare your menu. and Exactly, those lots. It was, I loved working for that company. Um, yes, I got to sell them food and, and then help them with their menus and, you know, it was just, it was a great experience. I really enjoyed it. How big it. of an area do you ha- would you have? I had uh, Joliet, Morris, Shorewood, Plainfield. Just one person? Mm-hmm. For all that? Yes. Oh. Uh-huh. Wow. A couple places we overlapped a little bit, but yeah. So I had a, a, one or two places in Seneca. I mean, that's hundreds of... Yes, but... Not, was it thousands of places? Uh, but, well, I, I worked with hundreds of restaurants. Hundreds, over the, yeah. Yes, but there's several food distributors, and they're all fighting for business all the time, so... Cisco's the biggest, I'm sure. Cisco's the biggest. Yeah. It was actually, when I started, U.S. was the biggest in this area, and I think now probably Cisco is the biggest in this area. Okay. Historically, Cisco is the biggest company, though. Yeah, okay. So that, so that brings you here, and mm-hmm. what... What was the first thing you did? I mean, what was it? Was it pretty? Gosh, you know, was they, it needed a lot of help right at the they beginning? They needed a lot of help right away. They had hired a woman, seemed who um, had no experience in food and beverage whatsoever. I'm not sure why they hired her to run the cafe, but they did. Um, I guess because she applied for the position, <laughs> and again, they were focused on the track. Right, right. So I replaced her 
and they were worried that the staff they had would all leave, but they all stayed. Um, and, and how first, big was the staff at that time? The, uh, probably a dozen people. Okay. Um, the first thing I did was change the menu. They had a crazy menu when I started. It was um, the nature of the cafe is that we have to be able to serve things quickly um, and also do food for the members as well as the rental groups. Like this week, weekend, we have Sport Bike, who you know usually has 100 or 200 people, many of whom have lunch at the cafe, but at the same time, we're open for the members. But they had a crazy menu that was really complicated, um, and so there would be lines of you know 100 people at lunch every day and then half of them oh, would, wow. would leave not being able to yeah. even get the, to their lunch because they had to make your own pizza was one of your options holy cow yeah and they had a little pizza oven so somebody would order pizza with toppings and they'd make that and then somebody would order they had sub sandwiches where you could um you know get whatever you wanted like us they had merged a couple different things and it was crazy. So I changed the menu right away. Um, I evened out the pricing so it would be quicker to get people through the line. And they um, they didn't have any equipment at all. So we were able to get buy um, slowly some equipment. When I first started, uh, all we had was kind of a bain-marie that held Italian beef. Um, that was the only thing that held hot food. And then we had a grill outside. Literally, I would have to grill the burgers and hot dogs for the day outside you know, in the rain sometimes. Oh, wow. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, so we've come a long way. So that how big is the staff now? Uh, around 30. So, yeah, quite a bit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you have, um, like, the, your sous chef, is he the same one every... I mean, he comes back every year with you? This is his... So I had... Uh, when I started, uh, my friend and co-worker, Kate... Um, Sopko now, I'm not, I have to say her married name, she got married about a year ago, uh, was 19, and she was one of my workers. And, and she stayed with me um, and went to culinary school and then uh, became my sous chef in her mid-20s. And then she was with me until last year. She left in August to take a teaching position as a culinary instructor. Oh. And then I hired Steve, who had kind of been waiting in the wings for years. I knew if Kate ever left, because I knew she wanted to become a teacher of culinary arts, mm -hmm. and she's a very good teacher. Um, and I knew that he wanted kind of a different position, and I wanted him for that. So it worked out well. She left, he came on board, and this is his second year with me now. Oh, very good. Mm -hmm. And uh, so when, so we're open seven seven months out of the year. When do you actually come in? You take a little bit of the time off in the winter, I right? do, which is one of the great things about this job. Yes. And then when do you... So we open the uh, first We April open 1st. April 1st and closed November 2nd or 3rd, whatever it may be. When do you... Are you starting about right then, or do you come in like a month early to get everything? Yeah, I, I, I'm here most of March, but also we take outside catering and banquets all year. So, you know, we have a couple Christmas parties and private off-site caterings, things like that. So I'm available all year, um, but I do get a lot of time off when we're not open those months. And so the the, the cafe, which is down at the, by the roundabout, mm -hmm. that was the, 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 when you got here, that was it, right? That was it, right. And then the members building was built? The members building was already built. Okay, so that um, was already there. So yes. you were running stuff? Yeah, initially our first couple of years, we had to run everything to the members' building. So they'd order it on the phone, or did they have a computer system back then? Uh, you know, I don't recall. <laughs> I'm thinking they ordered it on the phone. 
I, I'm sh I really doubt we had a computer system back then. I mean, we did, you know, we had a computer system at the window. Uh -huh. So maybe we would punch it into that. I, I don't recall for sure how we, we did well, that. Well, you got the order anyway. We right? got the order <laughs> and we had run it to the um, clubhouse. We did that for the first couple years. And then I realized we'd kind of make a little prep kitchen in there. Mm -hmm. um, and then we've kind of expanded that every year. So it's, um, we can't do food out of there now, but it's still not a kitchen. We, we still have to make most of the food in the cafe and bring it to our prep kitchen, which is open for the members on the weekend. So we, every weekend we're liter literally running two kitchens, the one in the cafe and the one in the members building. So through the week, so I come out here on Thursday and order lunch, it's going to come from the cafe. Correct. Mm -hmm. But if I order lunch on Saturday or Sunday, it might come from up here. It will come from up it here. It will come yes. from up here. Yes. Okay. Interesting. Um, how do you do it? And how do you, and what I mean by that is the food here is amazing. I love it. When people come up here, they're like, they cannot believe how good the food is. They go, it's just a racetrack. And I go, no, you're going to have fantastic food. I'll get to the fancy stuff you make in a second. But just, I mean, just the hamburger and the chili, I mean, the chili, it's all good. I mean, is is all of those your, I mean, your personal recipe? Well, they, they are. They're, they're all more or less my personal recipes. But, you know, we all, all of us chefs and people, we all learn from each other and, you know, get ideas from each other. And then I feel like, you know, everything should taste good. I feel your food should. But how do you get a hamburger? What do you, how do you source? The, well, obviously, the the raw materials are coming in. That's or, important. Yeah, I think working in food sales, I learned a lot about food. Um, you know, the the behind the scenes part of it. Um, so I know the products that I like just from having sold them for almost nine years. You know, we only use CAB beef, which is certified Angus beef, which comes from the upper end of choice or the. Are you familiar with the grades of beef? Keep going. Okay, Keep so going. there's like, yeah, there's like a triangle pyramid of beef with prime at the top and then choice and then select and then no roll, which can be anything. Um, so we buy, you know, beef that hits in between prime and upper end of choice for our burgers and, um, and for all of our red meat. Um, so that's important, having the right products. You know, we buy an organic chicken breast, fresh, never frozen. That's important. Um, we buy fresh salmon. You know, I try and buy the freshest things we can and, you know, as local as we can. There's, unfortunately, our area doesn't have a lot of opportunity for buying a lot of local things, but we try to do that. Um, so, yeah, your raw materials are really important. And then seizing them properly, cooking them properly, holding and storing them properly, all that's important. And I can't say enough about my staff, you know, having great people that work for me, with me, and coming back every year um, is really, really important and great. And again, I can't also say enough about what Colleen does here too, um, making sure we're doing the member orders right and getting what they want and fixing things, you know, that they don't think are right. So we, we just we're always trying to do our best. I mean, so when you're, how often are you changing the menu? Uh, every year we tweak it a little bit. Um, I actually do a couple things in the spring and then change a couple things for the summer and the fall, um, but just two or three, four What's items. What's something new this year? So this year new would probably be the summer berry salad that's got candied nuts and whatever the freshest berries we can find on it. 
um, croutons and people get it often with salmon. That's something new. Um, we have specials every day. Uh, and who picks the specials? I do. Okay. With but like right now because I left the kitchen this morning, Steve. I told Steve he was in charge of doing the specials. Okay. But we pick them every day. We make a soup within every two or three days. We make a new soup that we decide on. So you're when you're doing the soup, you, you're making it that day, or do you make do you prepare the stock like the night before, or what do you are you doing um, the actual stock and everything? And sometimes, all? yeah. Sometimes we make stock. Sometimes, you know, we use uh, a base. You know, a, a really high quality chicken base. I, mm-hmm. I'm a fan of, and we do do some size. We don't have enough storage to really keep stocks on hand. Um, of course, you know, when I started, we only had small refrigerators. Now we do have a walk-in refrigerator and a walk-in freezer, but they're not big enough to hold, you know, a bunch mm-hmm. of stocks and things like that. Um, uh, in the future, that would be fantastic if we had enough space to do things like that. Like your soups, for example, are you? Uh, based on past experience, or are you like pulling out some of the old bon appetits and saying, "Oh, let's try that." Let's you know, get that. how do you do that? Uh, gosh, how do I do it? I learned a long time ago. You know, stew, soup is pretty easy. It a lot of the soups start with a basic, you know, good chicken stock or vegetable stock. You know, if I'm making a broccoli soup, I'll throw the stems in, you know, and make a pretty much a broccoli stock, and then save, you know, the florets for the later part of the soup. Um, most of them start with a base of, say, the broccoli stems and carrot, celery, and onion, the classic French mirepoix, mm-hmm. you know, or then the uh, Creole Cajun one is the holy trinity of uh, celery, green peppers, and onions. We put that in things as well sometimes. And you go from there. You kind of take, take the basic and then change it into whatever you want to do. Um, Are you experimenting too and just coming? We, you know, we like, we experiment sometimes. I, I, the molecular, molecular gastronomy thing <laughs> is something I've dabbled in. It's kind of fun. We've done, you know, little balls of balsamic vinegar to garnish um, bruschetta things. And I don't know how familiar you are with uh, No, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. Yeah, oh, so, yeah. Uh, but it's very time consuming. And we often have a lot to do um, besides the food for the members and our window at the cafe. We um, have a lot of events, corporate events that we cater for as well. Yeah, because if you're experimenting with it, a soup and it doesn't turn out right, now you get. Right? It'll turn out right. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I've been doing it long enough. <laughs> and yeah, I oversee. Steve's fantastic, but and he's you know roughly my age too, so he has a lot of experience as well. So we both know how to make things taste how they how we think they should taste at least. Yeah, because yeah, don't do anything different because it's perfect. It's fantastic. Oh, it's fantastic. And then I know that. So that's like kind of the kind of the basic stuff. I mean, I have a. I I've, I might have told this story, but I have this. I've there's a I fly airplanes into Las Vegas, and they're the food in Las Vegas where we go in my company is Terminal C, and it's not very good. Really, the food is not very good. However, there is a see two four six eight ten wheeled vehicle that comes in and parks down on the tarmac and the ramp area that's there every day mm-hmm. and it's called El Pateo and it's uh, some um, Mexican ladies that run it mm-hmm. the, and one guy went and I tell the story so I was walking there one time and he goes oh I go what did you get he goes I got the hamburger I go they don't have hamburgers it's a Mexican place he goes no I got the hamburger get the hamburger and french fries I go no I'm not getting the hamburger and french fries I'm getting a burrito or something he said no try it I go okay 
So I went up there and ordered a hamburger and french fries from a 10-wheeled panel van. And it was fantastic. Wow. And I go and I always use hamburger as an example because it's ground beef that you apply heat to. How can you do it wrong, right? But you can. Oh, you can. You can yes. do it so wrong. And I go into brick and mortar restaurants and have a terrible, horrible hamburger. And I think those two wonderful ladies in Las Vegas sitting in a van, you know, big panel truck, whatever you want to call it, are just turning out fantastic right. food. I mean, you got to care. Mm-hmm. Right, and it's obvious that you guys care here about what's happening with the food because it's so easy not to care, and it's so evident in the product that you get. Well, thanks. Yeah, I can't imagine not wanting to care about it because, but people they don't. I mean, people don't. <laughs> they don't. And so they, I will tell a quick story. So we affectionately call El Pateo the Roach Coach. And you can have, there's a phone number and you can call and you can order your food. So when you land your airplane, you can order the food and the pilots can, or can run down there and get food for the crew or whatever. We run down there and we bring it back to the airplane. Well, I was flying with someone one time and we just call, and in my phone it says Roach Coach because I know what it means, right? So he calls up the phone. Well, they just say hello. They Maybe they say it differently, but I remember I called them before and they go, hello. So he, they said hello and he goes, is this the Roach Coach? Not thinking. Oh. If you're in Las Vegas and you happen to eat at El Pateo and you want to order something, don't call up no. and call it, is this the Roach Coach? Yeah, I know. Because that did not go over. <laughs> I'm sure. In a very affectionate way that we call it that. And yes. the food's fantastic and wonderful and fast and inexpensive. But yeah, the uh, lady who answered the phone did not take no. that very well. He's the food, like, food trucks are big these days. <laughs> so it sounds like that's a food truck situation. Yeah, it's a food truck. Yeah, and it's mm-hmm. been there for 20 years has been there before mm-hmm. food trucks were big right you know but yeah so he quickly hung up and made me call <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that person who called before <laughs> so yeah that's funny yeah food trucks are big and it it's amazing because if you just care right just yeah. care about what you're doing yeah it's not always easy but I, we do care deeply um, so when do. you're doing your uh, I'm trying to think when you're doing like your even for Sunday brunches, mm-hmm. and you know they've, they've, we're coming up for a festival of speed here next couple oh, weeks. Oh no, is it soon? Yeah, a couple <laughs> weeks. And w- there's some fancy, pretty fancy there dishes is. on there. Very yes. French flared yes. dishes. And how eat. Is that as difficult as it seems to me to prepare? It is that many <laughs> that say, much. Those weekends are hard because we really try and you know knock everyone's socks off. We, um, you know, historically Kate and I, and now Steve and I, you know, kind of can dig deep on those nights, and we have a pretty big budget to work with. Um, so you know we can braise short ribs and turn them into. We love short ribs. We love pork belly. We can get fresh fish. Um, we love to work with those kind of things. And on those weekends, we get to do a lot of that, you know. So that's that's really fun for us. But it's hard because those are also really busy days here because they're full-track weekends for the members. So we're busy with, you know, breakfast and lunch um, for the members up until the point where we're preparing dinner. So it's kind of a crazy balance of trying to get some things in the oven that are going to braise all day and still cooking our burgers and chicken that we need and hot dogs. Um, but it is fun, too, you know. How long a days are those for you? Uh, those are usually six, 
if, as long as we don't have a scheduled, I would say six to eight. Um, oh, so it's not in. So, 14, so you're no, that it's like good. A, it's a, no, it's a fourteen-hour day. So 14, six a.m. to eight p.m. Oh, okay. Yes. <laughs> six, oh my gosh, you were yes. amazing. Even more amazing no, if you're doing it that six quickly. To, six to eight on Friday and Saturday, and then we're in at five for brunch on Sunday. Wow. So it's a long weekend, but it's also fun. Yeah, and it's amazing. It's amazing. Yeah, and it's nice that where I have free reign on what we choose. Um, you know, I like to pick things. I like to eat at restaurants. Yeah, well, keep so it I up. had I had a bula base I loved recently, and that's you know I've done that here before, believe it or not, um, not for several years, but I know that's something you would like. But it's a balance because some of our members want like a grilled steak, mm-hmm. and then other ones are like, well, I want bula base or something, you know, a little more intricate. Um, so we try and do both. Um, well, it's a you're juggling it, doing it well, I think. Thanks. What? Okay, so we came for Spring Fest, mm-hmm. and 20 people showed up because it snowed six inches. Did it. And so all that food that was there, what are you, can you take some of that food and turn it into a soup, or do you turn it into we something? We can sometimes. Mm-hmm. What happens to all that food? Do you, do, do you... Well, you know, we try and gauge. It's hard because... Who knew there was going to be a snow, massive snowstorm? Exactly. I, I don't even recall because it, it all merges together those weekends. <laughs> but um, we, we try and plan for, you know, somewhere between 80 and 150 people. And we can kind of gauge by the weather and things like that if we're going to have a lower turnout. But it's kind of a guessing game. But, yes, we can turn certain things into other things. Um, you know, we're generous with the staff, with... Our staff is allowed to eat what they would like oh, to and leftover take home left. If there's things that cannot be utilized, you know, staff can take home leftovers. We try to be generous with the non-culinary staff here. You know, maintenance and mm-hmm. the corner workers and all those people, housekeeping that all work really hard. We try and give them leftover food that we don't have a place for. But Good. a lot of things can be utilized. Good because it, know, it broke know. our hearts seeing all yes. that food sitting there, and it was literally twenty. Some people. In yes, it, was that know, this year? That was this year. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it, that was Saturday. Was it, it? It was Sunday. Oh, Sunday for the brunch. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Sunday for the brunch when it was they closed. Yeah, they that's closed the right. track. Yeah, that's right. It closed at nine, right. nine o'clock. Okay, in the morning. now I know the brunch yeah. was the low turnout. Correct. I think we ended up having close to forty people that day. Well, so it was beautiful. overall, but yeah, a light turnout for brunch. Mm. Yeah, it was such good food. But cut fruit and things like that, you know, we can save and. Some of the vegetables and whatnot. Well, what um, if someone wants? To, so, if you have a place here, like I have a, I have a rental garage. Mm-hmm. I don't have a, 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 a building. If we wanted to host a, a lunch on Saturday, mm-hmm. you guys, we can just cater that right from you yeah, guys. Yeah, we do that all the time. Mm-hmm. So we say, okay, lunch at the Graybill. Yeah, breakfast, cart lunch, or dinner. And we usually have a couple a week. Um, Oh, really? Depending. I, you know, this coming Friday, uh, one of our members, I don't know if I should say names of whoever, but somebody <laughs> who's in their garage uh, is having a breakfast and a lunch. They choose the menu. Um, we do a lot in, in the garage, Mahal. We, we call that one over there. Okay. I think it has usually a dozen members, so we cater a lot of stuff over there. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, there's cer- certain members use our catering very often, and we also cater in their homes. We've done um, many, many in in-home caterings for uh, probably four different members. 
Outside of the track. Outside of the track. At their houses, yes. Oh, wow. Oh, wow, mm-hmm. wow. Um, interesting. Yeah. So, okay. Well, we might have to do that someday. Yeah, we'll take the... anything that we can. It depends on the schedule of what we have going on here. But in the off-season, you know, we can do almost anything because we have a lot of free time. And I'll take any catering that comes our way. Wow, cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and the cookies are great, too. Whose who's oh, recipe yes. are the cookies? Oh, the cookies. Are you making them from scratch? I have to. We buy cookie dough and cook it. Whatever you're getting it from. Cisco? Yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's the best cookie dough you can buy. Um, yeah, we just went. We, we probably go through 800 cookies a week or 1,000. And... Uh, how many pounds? You have any idea how many pounds of cookie dough that is? That oh no, I'm not really a math person. <laughs> I don't know. It seems like a lot. It yeah, seems like probably a hundred pounds. But yes. How does it come? Does it come in a pucks? Comes it, in, it comes in pucks. It's it already ready in, to go. So you comes just put in pucks, it. Yes. Just put it on there to our, cook. Our bake yes, it. our um, high school and college staff are very good at cooking the cookies. Yeah, and some of the desserts. What I do home make a lot of the desserts. I, I yeah, because for special was... things like I, for the ladies' day, I always we just had that a couple days ago, and I made I think flourless chocolate cakes and gooey butter cakes. One of my favorite things to make too. It's wow. it's a yellow cake with cream cheese, kind of a a very dense cake. But um, I like to do like a vanilla and a chocolate or a berry and a chocolate combo kind of thing for ladies' day. So, yeah, I've become more of a baker, and I was never much of a baker, but over the years here, kind of, I've wanted to do homemade desserts, so I do. I like to make t- tiramisu I've always loved to make. That's an easy dessert and fun, and you you can do a lot of variations with that one, too. Make it, you know, more summer-like with berries as opposed to the chocolate and coffee elements. Your favorite, what is your favorite food? If you had one today, we're going to, you and your husband get to go to a desert island, for the weekend, yeah. and that one meal, your absolute favorite meal, what would it be? I would have I would have to say a combination of pasta and fresh fish. Pasta and fish. Yeah, homemade pasta or gnocchi, which we actually homemade yep. gnocchi on occasion here, which is fun. Yeah, that's good. That's I just that. time Very consuming good. again. Yeah. And then I love fresh fish. I love all fish and shrimp and crab and oysters, all that kind of stuff. I think my favorite food on the planet, it's going to sound crazy, is fried chicken. Is it? That's a lot of people's favorite. I mean, absolutely. White or dark? That's the big question. Uh, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I'll eat both, but I'm a big pan fried chicken guy. Mm. Big pan fried chicken guy, which I have to get the smaller um, Cornish hen size. Yes. Or maybe some if it's a small fryer. Because the way I pan fry, sometimes I, I go back, I, I still use Crisco, like my mom uh, did. I use Crisco, too. Put Crisco in there. And um, a funny story about that. So I'm huge. This fried chicken's huge, right, for me. So I wanted everything fresh. So I made, and I do buttermilk. I just recently switched my, it pains me to tell you how I make fried chicken now, but my mom's cast iron skillet, you know, mm-hmm. which I have still have a ton of. And uh, I would soak the chicken buttermilk overnight. Mm-hmm. I said, well, geez, I'm making butter today with from fresh milk from my cow. I'm going to use that uh, buttermilk to put yeah. the chicken in. However, I did that. Pff, did not work out. Because cultured buttered milk is what we get at the stores, not the same as buttermilk. The it's milk that you get off yes. of making butter. Mm-hmm. And 
because of the salt the speci- that's in the cultured buttermilk. I didn't put any salt in this buttermilk. So the specific gravity trying to get it to um, uh, osmosis, for lack of a better word, into the chicken, mm-hmm. that the specific gravity of each of the, of the chicken and the real buttermilk uh, was not at a point that allowed osmosis to take place mm-hmm. and to get infused. It was a wreck. It was. Well, that's surprising because you'd think terrible. the chicken would want the fresh yeah. buttermilk, but it still had to have like salt or something right. in there. And I don't know chemically what I'm what it is, but it had you know specific gravity has to be different so that it all equals out, and it just didn't. Yes, this did not turn out. And so, do you you do the buttermilk, and then do you dry? Then do you dry it? Because it, historically, I do the buttermilk overnight, bring it out, get bring it back in the refrigerator, bring it back to room temperature before I even do anything else, and just do. Um, I, uh, uh, from there, I do a paprika kind of based mm-hmm. uh, seasoning on it, uh-huh. and then and then then uh, flour. I let that wait a little bit, and then small real batches. I'm real particular about the temperature, you know, making sure I don't bust the smoke point on Crisco's up 320 degrees. So you got to be real. You got to modulate. I mean, you know, cast iron can hold some heat. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes I'll have two people with a laser thermometer. Oh, go up, go down, and trying to catch. Trying to catch it, yeah. you know, to keep it in the right, right range. Um, but I, I recently, um, I can't believe I'm going to say this. I've recently deep fried chicken, and it was probably better. <laughs> yeah, that, that's old school though. I mean, there's a place called Stefanich's. It's closed down. It's a famous Joliet place for many, many years, and I. It was still open when I initially worked for Cisco, and they had huge cast iron roasters, and that's how they did their chicken. Pan fried. That's all they did, yeah. And the oil was scary looking and yes, rarely the best. changed. Yes, that's the best. <laughs> that's the kind of oil. But they were famous for their chicken. And then White Fence Farm, I don't know if you ever Yeah, had, I've seen their eggs. Like okay. I've, I think they're I was famous, there once. They're they? famous for their chicken, and they have a three-day process where they buttermilk it, then they dry it. And then they um, bread it, and then they batter it. It's maybe even a four day, but that's how they do theirs. And you know, when I because chicken day at my house is pretty big, and we got lots of people want to come for chicken. We yeah, don't that's do a it lot real of often. Oh, yeah. My wife once doesn't want to do it. House just got clean. You can't do it this <laughs> it weekend. It smells. Yeah. You know, and frying anything in your house. Oh, so uh, yeah, I got to put tin foil up around the whole thing to keep the grease from splattering. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I that's. You know, oh, my wife can make some gravy, oh, milk gravy from the chicken. Oh, back oh, to the, yeah. the, yeah, to the, to the, <laughs> to the grease thing. Yeah, I always people say, yeah, if, if I can't get this in a restaurant, I said, yeah, because I have to charge seventy dollars a plate for fried chicken. Who's going to pay seventy dollars a plate for fried chicken? Right. And but we, um, you know, no one fried. I mean, my mom fried the grease on the counter for. Yeah, my just, mom never fried. You know, although back to the desert island food for me for a second regarding chicken would be roast chicken, and it's just pretty common with chefs that they love I love roast chicken really roast chicken with a ton of lemon and garlic is with crispy skin one of the best things ever Francesco's does a good version of it that I try and emulate sometimes how, how important is the chicken are you, is how important is that chicken can you look at a chicken if you're in the store uh-huh and you didn't have the prices on it or didn't know where it came from if they were all lined up you could pick the best I would think a, a more yellow chicken is most likely to be a better one than a white chicken. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sized? Do you? Because I'm real particular on my size of the mm-hmm. chicken. Is the that, smaller, the better. Yeah. As far as the tenderness. I mean, anything just like us. As you get older, <laughs> you know, the uh, young 
young animals are more tender than yeah. older animals, whatever yeah. animal you're talking about in general. Uh, I mentioned earlier we're going to talk about French fries, my other dear love. Uh, French fries, yes. They're, they're a big deal. Tell me about your French fries. Okay. You? you know, we don't make our own fries. We, we, have some, we do sometimes. Uh-huh. But um, if you do make, from selling food, if you make your own fries, your world pretty much revolves around that. Um, it does. And you also, again, we don't have this, the refrigeration. Mm-hmm. You need to maintain, uh, usually um, you have to cut your fries and then hold them in kind of a acidulated vinegar-type water, then dry them. Vinegar? Yeah, a Vin- little vinegar. Really? Um, get the start, because we're getting the, we're, we're soaking the them, we're getting the starch out. off the yeah. outside. and then you've got to hang them and dry them. And then usually it's a two-frying process. So Keep going. Really, you have to you have to have a wall of fries and a lot of room in your refrigerator to do your own fries all the time. So we do we buy ours. We buy the best ones we can um, and fry them to order. But then on occasion, we will make our own for the fun of it to do with a special. And tell me about your double fry, because I am a double fry French fry well, guy. If you're, yeah, if you're going to make your own, you need to fry them once. And then just fry them again. What temperature do you like to fry? We fry them at three fifty. We fry everything at three fifty. Three fifty, and you don't change the temperature for the second no. fry. And we really can't. We we have again always too much going on, and and too high. Ideal if you had that in a perfect world, would you change the temperature on the second fry? I it, I'd have to play around with it for a while. Okay. Okay, and how much are you frying them the first time? Oh, I, I mean, like a minute or two minutes. No, I would say probably more like. At least three or four. Three or four minutes, and then bringing yeah. it back in for this, for the second yeah. fry. And yeah, I'll have to. I'll experiment this year. And and so get back why? To well, tell me when it is, and I'd love, I'd love <laughs> to know. <laughs> so why do you not have to double fry the fries that you buy? Because they're they're already they're already fried once. Oh, they are. They come that way, yes. And since I used to sell French fries, I'm really. I, oh, had, I had no idea. That I had I had French fry training. I months of it I'm sure every every couple weeks Cisco would give us new french fry training so there's lots to know about fries and the grading of them and um yeah oh we need to go so so (laughs) so most people so when you get a bag of fries at the store if I go buy fries at the store you couldn't buy the fries that I have at the store but those fries in the store they've already been fried uh, maybe I, I we don't know, but yeah. friend, but most this, of the ones in the store are meant to be baked because most people don't fry their fries, but it, it'll say on the bags. So the but the fries that you you get are already been fried once. They've already been fried once, and then they've been treated with a, a stealth coating. Yes, I that, was getting there. Uh huh. To keep them crispier and retain the heat a little bit better. And that coating grating mm-hmm. of the fries help me out here. Fries are graded by their length. Oh, by their length. Yes. Yeah, so, um, yes, which a lot of people don't know. So we, we buy extra long fancy fries, which is the best you can buy. Um, a lot of people buy grade A fries, which means nothing, but it sounds good. Right. There's right. a lot of misnomature in the food industry as far as selling of food goes. But yeah, we buy extra long fancy fries, which are the best you can get, that have been pre-fried, coated with the cornstarch to keep crispy, and... Um, if you see like a lot of short fries in in your fry order somewhere, they're getting grade A fries, which means they're not good, very good quality wise. Wow! And the different coating, there's different types of coatings Correct. on the fries too, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, some do. I don't like battered fries very much. This this is called a stealth coating because you can't really tell it's there. 
stealth coating. Yes. They're already fried ones. She just blew my brain up <laughs> because I was reading recently an article about French fries, and they said that all fries are double fried. Every restaurant fries double fried, and I'm going, no, no, no. I worked at a restaurant. They take a handful out and put it in there, and they Correct. fry They're not double fried. Like right. in my house, they're double fried because I take the rest of potatoes. And, yeah. And so interesting. Wow. This is... My whole day has been, been changed because now I, Yeah, and so in Berlin, you get steak fries. Okay. No. And you like those, the no, thicker cut? No, no. Oh, Down okay. in Bavaria, you get, like, the, your fries are, like, quarter inch. They're a three-eighths cut. Three-eighths cut, yeah. Mm-hmm. So they're, that's the kind of fries. And every, we order French fries once a day when we're in Germany, at least uh-huh. once a day. And are they kind of a three-eighths or a thinner one, more like a... Yeah, I would, I would quarter, say they're a quarter, quarter inch, inch, quarter yeah. inch by quarter inch, mm-hmm. and they're long. They're mm-hmm. always long. And I don't know generally, over, you know, in Europe they're treating food differently than we treat it, right? You know, so I don't know what the process, if they're, if they're frozen or if they're cutting them in the back and drying them. I, I should try to, you know, ask sometimes. Yeah, it depends on the volume. I mean, there's a place in Joliet called Jody's Hot Dogs. They do their own fries, and literally they have a whole wall of fry baskets. <laughs> and it's a little teeny place, but... You know, that's what you need if you're going to be doing your own fries. Wow. Yeah. I'm a, so the the big castle over in the best fries I've had in Bavaria, New Schwanstein, uh, or New Schwanstein, the castle, the you know what I'm talking about, the real famous castle that King Ludwig made. It's like the Cinderella castle. I, I can envision what that yeah, looks like. Yeah, so it looks like kind of like the <laughs> Disney castle. Mm-hmm. It's over there. At the base of that, at the hotel, that's right at the base where you get on the carriage, that is the best French fries we've ever had. Over really? There. Yeah, they're pretty good. Pretty good. Really so, crispy? Very. So and when I make fries... But almost my, like a baked potato in the center. Yes. Yes. Very flavorful. Um, they're just, you know, cooked perfectly. Mm-hmm. When I do fries at my house, which is maybe you know, three or four times a year, that's all we have. Because I don't have a huge fryer. And I like to do small batches. So I'll do the double frying, and it takes a couple hours. And yes. so there's not enough time to, you know, I can't have guests over. We, my whole family, we just nibble on fries. That's basically all we have. Mm-hmm. But my kids love French fry night. They just That's fun. Yeah, yeah, nice tradition. Um, what did I do a couple weeks ago? I fried like three things in a row because I went, because I had a, a big Dutch oven that I put in and I filled up my, I used the oil for, I was going to fry, I, fr- I fried things for like three days. I can't remember what it was. But yeah, these don't, I, I think if you fry stuff correctly, so that you don't go beyond the point of there's no water left in the food that can't suck up all the grease. So it's not necessarily, right. yeah, you're going to get a little grease, but it's not as horrible as I think we made it out. Maybe Crisco might be, but, yeah, no. but you know, like I a mean, good peanut oil or something I like that. that I, I mean, I, I like to make tamales, real tamales, uh-huh. and I use lard in that, I, you know, because that tastes the best. Lard, fresh corn. I've, I've used lard once. That's the only thing I use lard in. Interesting, hmm. but they're amazing. I will. I will. I loved. I didn't eat. I grew up out in the country. My grandpa had a huge. He lived with us, and he had a huge garden of unbelievable fresh stuff. The only thing I really ate was I ate carrots and eggplant. I loved fried eggplant, mm. and I can't fry it like my mom. My mom. Oh my gosh, I eat my weight in her fried eggplant. But uh, <laughs> it's this is so embarrassing. I go to way to pilot training. I'm in Lubbock, Texas, and my aunt, who always made twice baked potatoes for uh, Christmas Eve, and that's the only place I'd ever had them before in my life, mm-hmm. and I loved them. So 
my mom sent, or I called her, my mom had passed away, but no, my mom didn't make them. That's right. My dad had passed away. My mom was still around, but she didn't make them. So she said, well, call my aunt. So I called my aunt and I said, uh, I want to make twice baked potatoes. And she goes, okay, we'll go get baked potatoes and then scoop out this inside. And then here's what you need to do. You know, mix all the stuff, put uh-huh. it back in. I said, okay, well, when my mom, when I was a kid, my mom would send me to the store. She'd buy, buy, she'd go, go get some baked potatoes. Really what she was saying was go get baking potatoes, which are russet potatoes, but she only called them baked potatoes. Mm-hmm. Hey, grab some baked potatoes in the refrigerator and give them to me. So in my mind, at 24 years old, I thought a baked potato was a russet potato. So I come to my house, my little apartment with my roommate, because it was my night to cook. I said, I'm going to make twice baked potatoes. Oh, no, you took the raw potato. Cut the raw potato <laughs> in half, and I got a spoon, and I'm bending the spoon oh, no. trying to scoop out the inside. That is of- so funny. Yes, it's real funny. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And I'm like, this is not working. So I call my aunt. <laughs> and I, wrong with this recipe. Yeah, what's wrong with this? I call my aunt, and, and I go, well, I got baked. She goes, what are you doing? I said, well, I can't scoop out the inside. It's too hard. <laughs> and I'm bending the spoon. And total silence on the phone. She goes, you did bake the potatoes already. And I went, like a two by four in the head, twice, twice baked yes. potatoes. Another oh, twice baked potato style. Gosh. Yes. <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> so that's my embarrassing... Uh, I love it. Potatoes, baked, twice baked potato story. So every, we always, every uh, Christmas Eve, that story gets brought up again. I like I was, it. I was off on my own. I was going to learn how to be on my own cooking. You tried. I tried. Now you know, and now you, I'm sure you know how to make double baked potatoes. I've never made them. Really? I have never made them since. My wife makes them. I think she makes them occasionally. I do them occasionally. Dave loves them. But um, I think she's made them. Oh, she's a fantastic cooker. She's she just really cares too and she's just a fantastic cook and that's nice um she always she she does a really good job she's a, quite the cake decorator too she went to oh. she did a, a lot of classes and that's fun cake decorating so she can make beautiful flowers and whatnot she's pretty good she'll tell you that she can't do a lot but we, she used to bring so we would bring a cake someplace well she would buy the boxes you know like the whole thing the, mm-hmm. the cardboard thing in the box and we'd bring it I'd bring it to a party and go, oh, where'd you get this? Oh, no, Heidi made it. No, seriously. No, Heidi made it. Right. Like, she's got a cake box at home. And I'm like, actually, you can just buy the cake box yeah. and just put the cake. No. Yeah, you really can. You can yeah. yes. <laughs> that was always funny. But uh, How can someone get a hold of you? If they want catering or whatever, what's, what's the best um, way to get a hold of you? You know, on our website, I'm, I'm sure I'm there. Amidst, so you're buried you're, in there somewhere. But, yes, I'm available by cell phone, by email. Um, I have a landline as well. Okay. Yeah, it's all under, so staff, you go to autobahnmembers.com, um, and then I think it's resources and staff. Yeah, yeah there's, yeah, there's, there's a, there's a catering tab yeah, in there somewhere. Your and contact you can always just call registration and get transferred to my line as well. Okay. All right. Any parting, wonderful parting words before we... No, I, you know, I just have to say this is a great place to work. I appreciate, you know, the owners and the members, and... Uh, I hope that the members realize how much we care about making their food and beverage experiences the best we can. I choose all the wine and things like that as well. And we have draft beer now too, which yeah, we've right. worked yeah. hard on. Yeah. Um, and the owners are always so supportive of everything we do. Very good. Yeah. So thanks. Fantastic. Thanks well, thank for being s- a member and for well, the interview. Thanks for, we, I, it's been a long time trying to get everything coordinated, but this has been fantastic. I've learned a lot about you and a lot about food and, it was awesome. Great. Thank you. Thank you. 
Well, that's the podcast for the first week of July 2019. I am on a layover in Providence, uh, Rhode Island. It's a, a rainy day. Getting ready to hit the gym. And I do want to mention one more thing. The Drive for 105. It's a race to end homeless for uh, DuPage County. And Continental Motors in Naperville, the Audubon Country Club, and DuPage Pads, they've all teamed up, and we are going to have a four-hour karting enduro race. Uh, Fifteen teams. It's been a huge success every year that they have had it at the club. Our... Um, our new carts are going to be used for the race, the new rental carts. And if you would like to donate, uh, Dark Mode is the team of uh, Spencer McFarland, Jen- Jensen Benet, Christian Weir, and Mitchell Grabiel. And I have a link in the um, uh, show notes that you guys can click on if you would like to donate to Dark Mode Team. These guys are going to be representing uh, the youth of the Audubon. They got a little uh, uh, great team name, and they're going to be competing to raise money, and uh, they're going to be the youngest team out there. So let's uh, offer some support uh, for those guys. That would be great if you would like to make a donation. If uh, you're out at the club, please come out and uh, visit them and and cheer them on. Thanks again for listening. Have a wonderful 4th of July. Every 4th of July at my house, we have an interesting car show. We feature three cars. We actually put it in my air-conditioned car barn so you can sit in the air conditioning because it's usually too hot. And we talk about your car, whatever car you have. If it's special to you, if the car has a story, we want to hear it. So it's not really a car show. It's really a car story time, a cartel, you might say. We are looking forward to that tomorrow for uh, July 4th. And I hope everyone else celebrates our Independence Day safely and has a great time. Thanks, as always, for listening. I do appreciate it if you'd like to reach out to me podcast at AudubonCC.com. You've been listening to Autobahn Country Club Podcast, where your host, club member John Graybill, opens the doors to America's premier auto sports club. Join us next time for Autobahn Country Club Podcast. <laughs>